0: The scripture this morning is from two books. The first one is Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And the second one is from John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Come on. So, how do you want to spend your time? Do you want to spend it worrying, getting upset, or stressed out? Or do you want to spend it abiding in God's love, no matter what challenges you face or situations that occur? The answer is pretty obvious. But well, why is it so hard? Today I'm going to be talking about how to stand firm in God's peace. One way is to become aware of our thoughts. Whatever we think about, goes into our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for, every, <coughs> for everything you do flows from it. We guard our hearts by guarding our minds. Our hearts are greatly influenced by what we think. One of the biggest areas we need to guard against are the lies from Satan and the wrong thinking that constantly comes our way. We especially need to be aware of any negative thinking, complaining, and being grumpy. When we hold on to negative thoughts, it affects what we say, what we do, and it can affect our relationships with others. I heard a sermon once, and the thing that really stuck with me was the question he asked. How much fun are you to be around? That's a great question to reflect on. Ask God for help in breaking any negative patterns and grumpiness and being the person that family and friends enjoy being with. Hear what Jesus says about her wrong thinking when he was talking to Martha, who was upset with her sister Mary, who wasn't helping her in the kitchen because she'd rather spend time with Jesus. Luke 10, 41 and 42 says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So what do we do with lies and the wrong thinking? Ask the Lord to reveal them to you, and to become aware of them. He'll gladly help us with that. An example of a lie that we tell ourselves is that God is disappointed in us because we haven't done enough for him. So what do we do when we become aware of a lie? We need to take that thought captive. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we need to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Years ago I struggled with how do you take a thought captive and how do you make it obedient. I just didn't understand. And I asked a Christian friend, she didn't understand either. But years later, I know now, I was young in the faith then, it simply means to take that thought and stop thinking it. A great tool to help in stop thinking a thought is to think about a healing balloon tied to the thought that you need to take captive and imagine it being carried away and lifted up to God. It's a simple tool, but it does work. And sometimes when we're really going through stuff, it might take every couple minutes we have to take something captive. But in time, it does get better. Another big area to guard our hearts from is replaying what a loved one says or does, or replaying a negative situation over and over again in our minds. We're all probably guilty of that from time to time. For example, you're out driving a car, and all of a sudden, somebody pulls out right in front of you, and you've got to slam on your brakes. And you're thinking, I can't believe he just did that. He could have waited, there was nobody behind me. Instead he pulls out right in front of me and now he's going lower than speed limit. I can't believe he did that. Now I'm gonna be late. And our blood pressure goes up and all our joy is robbed. Learn to take those replayed thoughts captive and ask God for help with that. Another area to guard our hearts from are regrets that we might have. From time to time we think about our lives how we've lived them, the mistakes we've made, things we could have done that we didn't do, and things we did that we shouldn't have done. God's God's heart for us is not to be thinking about things that are gonna just pull us down and that we can't do anything about. We need to take those thoughts captive. Periodically in this message, I will be using references from a book called Letters from the Father's Heart. This book is written in first person, as if God's speaking right to us. I want to read a portion of a letter that's based on Proverbs 4.25. Receive what is coming from God's heart concerning regrets and challenges. Don't look back at what was, or could have been, or should be. Don't look at the side, at the what-ifs, or all the obstacles or impossibilities. Look straight at me and who I am to you and how I see you. As far as regrets go, focus on learning from our mistakes as we move forward. Focus on all the positive things that we've done in our life. This may be hard work initially as we establish a better thought life and patterns. Here's another letter from the book, Letters from the Father's Heart. Hear what God thinks about us, and this is based on Ephesians 2.10. And you might want to close your eyes to just receive. I created you, and you are my masterpiece. I did not make a mistake. Your parents weren't a mistake. Nothing about you is a mistake. Your past does not define you. It does not have to have any lasting effect on your life. Everything you have gone through and have experienced can be used for good. All of this to reveal my glory take your past and help others with what you've learned we each have the unique opportunity to help others with what we've had victory overcoming for example years ago i had to forgive somebody that did something pretty horrible to me caused me a lot of harm and i struggled with having to forgive them but eventually i was able to do that and since then, it gives me such great joy when I'm talking to somebody else struggling with the same thing and they take the step to forgive. So out of bad situations, good can come from it. And people are more likely to hear and receive from somebody going through the same struggles and had to over it. To sum up God's better way concerning our thought life, think of it this way. Any time we catch ourselves thinking something that makes us feel sad, stressed out, worried, frustrated, angry, or any negative emotions, and like I used to tell the women's group that I facilitated, any time you feel nuts up inside, great Pennsylvania Dutch word, nutsed up, so when you're feeling nuts up inside, that's your signal to be thinking, what am I thinking about making me feel this nuts up feeling that I need to take captive and refocus that Jesus is Lord of our lives and in control of all situations. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Examples of things to think about if you have trouble thinking of something good when you're going through a bad situation would be to recall how God has helped you in the past, or recall God's attributes, that he's our healer, our provider, our protector, our counselor, our peace. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. Intentionally look for the good in all situations. A while back, there was a big major upheaval in my life, caused a lot of distress, and I was in a pretty bad state. But then I remembered this scripture, and I chose to remember and look for the good out of this horrible mess that wasn't going to be going away. And by doing that, I took my eyes off of the challenge I had and put it back on God, who was going to help me through it. And also we can count our blessings through that. Another way to find peace is to recognize and address our fears. Will I have enough money to live on? Will I lose my job? We have fears for our family members, our nation, the world. We have fears of rejection, of loneliness, of change, of failure. God commands us not to fear. And there are so many verses in the Bible that say, fear not, fear not. And God gives us a promise concerning fears. Second Timothy seven says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That's a pretty powerful promise. So what do we do with fear? We take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. We ask the Lord to reveal any thoughts that we're thinking about that are not from him. Spending time with God and in his word helps us to connect to who he is and who he is to us. Think of it this way, you trust a friend because you've gotten to know them you know their personality, you know what they stand for. It's more difficult putting your trust in someone you don't spend much time with or don't know very well. Spending time in God's Word and with Him builds our trust and quickens faith. Becoming a Christian doesn't make us immune to challenges or hard times, but our Heavenly Father walks with us, guiding and providing for us and giving us strength and comfort. The Father's heart is for us to surrender all control of our lives to Him, a Heavenly Father who loves us so much and is always by our side working things out for our good. Once we make this change, we're living then out of His strength and His comfort and His peace no matter what we go through. Another way to find peace is by knowing our identity. Knowing what God says about us makes all the difference in being at peace. Colossians 2, 9, 10 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the Deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought in fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. When I was about seven years old, I remember a thought that came to my mind. At the time I didn't realize it was from the Lord, but the message was, always remember who you are and what you are. And at the time my seven-year-old answer was Who am I? I'm Ann Darty. What am I? I'm a girl. So often we think about who we are and we define that by what we do. That we're a wife, a dad, a truck driver, a teacher. But that's not who we are. So many years later That same thought came to my mind, and this time I answer it very differently. Who am I? I'm a beloved daughter of the King. What am I? I'm a disciple of Jesus, his follower, doing what I see him doing, being his hands, his feet, his light, his love. This is who we are, beloved sons and daughters of the King, dearly loved and treasured and with all the rights and privileges of being his heir. Write that on your heart and take captive any thoughts that you're telling yourself that are contrary to what God says in his word. God sees the real us, the inside, the parts that matter. First 1 Samuel 16.7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at our heart. The following letter from your book shows how the Heavenly Father sees us. Receive his heart for us. And again, you might want to close your eyes just to receive. I see past where you come from and know where you are headed. I look into your hearts to see what will come out of it I look at the cracks and dysfunctions and see the beauty instead. I use the sum total of your life to bring me glory. Everything about your life I have a use for. Your home life growing up, your experiences, challenges, heartbreaks and joys, even your creativity and idiosyncrasies. Nothing is wasted. Everything about you happened for a reason and has a purpose. You are shaped and formed by these events as you allow me to work in your life. You grow in maturity and character as you come to accept yourself the way you are and where you have come from. Your character and heart are what matter to me. I want you to see and visualize your destiny and how special and worthy you really are to me. This is a new way of thinking. As we see ourselves the way the Lord sees us, we can be used by him and we have permission to allow ourselves to be loved um, and have self-love and to be used by him greatly. If you don't know how the Lord wants to use you, ask him, he'll show you. We find peace when we don't focus on our problems, but we focus on other people. Actually, we'll see how blessed we are. Another way to find peace is to run the race of life and finish out strong, no matter how young or old we are. We are his hands and feet, his heart and love. We plant seeds. We shine his love and his light. We can encourage and give people hope and point them to Jesus. Making eye contact and smiling at people at Walmart is a ministry. Tending to the elderly is a ministry. We can influence the circle of people in our lives. Being God's servant gives us peace. Our thoughts aren't on ourselves, but on others. God can use us at every stage of our life, and I'd like to share a couple uh, people that have done this so well in their lives. The first one is Johnny Erickson Tada. Some of you might know her. She was 17 when she was in a diving accident uh, where she broke her uh, her neck and left her quadriplegic, unable to dress, feed, or toilet herself. And this was about 50 years ago when this happened. And at the time, she didn't want to live because she didn't want to be a burden on anybody. But over these 50 years, she has established a worldwide ministry helping the able-bodied and also disabled. And she's now probably in her mid-70s, she's fought cancer twice, and she now lives with chronic pain, in addition to being a quadriplegic. And Billy Graham, Billy Graham was 96 years old when he wrote his last book on finishing out strong and on heaven. And it's a great book if you haven't read it, by the way. And at the time, when he was 96, his body was very frail, he was in a wheelchair and I heard he had to dictate the book, that he didn't even have the strength to type. But his book has reached the multitudes. Then there's Bob Longenecker. Probably none of you know him. Um, I was with my mom, I was probably about nine years old, when we went to go visit him. He lived in, um, in Clay, and we walked in, and I was surprised to see him in a hospital bed, and I learned that he had, uh, had polio as a kid, and back in the day, There was nothing you could do for polio Um, and so he was probably at that point in his mid-50s bedridden and when i was getting ready for this message and thinking of people i wanted to share as an example six decades later i think of this man and the reason being right next to his hospital bed was a nightstand and on the nightstand was a phone he would call people up and just give them encouragement, people that were lonely or going through challenges. He would listen to them, and that was a great ministry, and I remembered this as a nine-year-old kid. And then there's 97-year-old Catherine. I met her uh, when I first started working with my husband at the nursing home, and um, at the time she had been living in the nursing home 13 years, and she was in a wheelchair and on oxygen, and at the time hospice had been called in. And the first time I met her, I go into the room, her eyes light up, big smile on her face. She made me feel so welcomed and and so special. And actually I see Bonnie Clayton, she used to go with us and she said the same thing, it was really neat. And the other thing I learned, um, my husband had met her years before that, and he learned that when Catherine, (coughs) excuse me, When Catherine asked him, and how are you today, doctor? He learned not to say, I'm fine. No, Catherine wanted to know how he really was. So here's somebody 97 and on her way out, ready to go to meet the Lord, still uh, making an example and making me feel so special. So age, health, and challenges we have shouldn't discourage us from being used mightily by God which takes the attention off of ourselves and puts it on others. Here's another letter from the book, and it's based on Romans 12one 1-2, and again you might want to close your eyes to just receive. People are watching your life. They are watching what you say and do, how you handle yourself, how you react and respond to situations. Are you aware of that? You are here for a purpose. Your life has meaning. You leave a mark on other people's lives. Are you living for me? Will what they observe be something for them to emulate? At the end of your life, how will people remember you? Will they remember you for what you did for a living? Or how you made them feel? Will they see me in the way you live your life? I encourage you to ask God how he wants to use your life. For each one of us, it's going to look differently because he's given us all different giftings. In summary we find peace by guarding our thought life and our hearts by taking captive all fears and regrets by knowing our identity as a child of God the son and daughter of the King dearly loved valued and cherished and we find peace by being God's servant and finishing out strong looking outward and not at ourselves in closing, I want to share one last letter from the book, Letters from the Father's Heart. It sums up everything so well. It's taken from Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 and again, you might want to close your eyes just to receive it. There's a great cloud of witnesses surrounding you. They are your example, and they are cheering you on to the finish line. Lay aside anything holding you back, and get rid of anything weighing you down. Once you let go of this stuff, you will run the race with more ease and endurance. Fix your eyes on me, for I am your prize and goal, your pure joy. Look forward to the goal, as you don't lose heart or grow weary. Pace yourself, for it's a marathon. Replenish yourself with my sustenance. All those who have gone on before you, cheer on every side. And I'm right there at the finish line, waiting for you with open arms. This is who our Heavenly Father is. He's always by our side, never lets go of us, never gives up on us, is there walking with us through whatever challenge we have, and giving us a peace that passes all understanding. Let us pray. Lord, you've provided a way for us to abide in your peace. Guide us in learning how to guard our minds and hearts and taking captive any thought or lie that is not of you. Help us to walk in our true identity by whispering into our hearts who you say we are. Continue to empower and equip us to be your hands and feet and your light and love. And most of all, Lord, thank you for never leaving our sides and encouraging us to follow your better way. You are a good, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen.